This evening, as we continue on in our memorable series, uh, verses series, we come to what I, I think is a very familiar uh, verse. It's one I've heard that uh, Many have made their favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, many have put this verse to memory. It's, it's actually one of the verses in our Embark memorization program. It's one that I actually often share when I go into the hospital or I visit people. I'll share this verse with them. And that is Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We find within this single verse great comfort. Words that bring relief and and peace are found in this verse. So uh, as we think about the verse and what specifically is found in it, we find two commands, two reasons, and three promises. So that's going to be our outline for this evening, or how I'm going to break down the passage. We're going to start with the two commands that we find in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Then second, we'll consider the reasons that are given for that command, or for those commands. And then we'll end by considering the three promises that uh, wrap up and conclude Isaiah 41, verse 10. So we'll begin looking at these two commands. Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. And then second, be not dismayed, for I am your God. So our two commands are fear not and be not dismayed. And I think as you think about these two commands, these are often things people say to us as they try to reassure us. If we're going through a difficult time, if we're going through a loss, people try to use these words to uplift us, to comfort us. They might say, do not fear. Everything's going to be okay. There's nothing to fear. You shouldn't be scared right now. So people try to reassure us with do not fear. People may say there's no need to be dismayed. Things are going to work out. And and as you think about just these commands in and of themselves, as people try to use them, oftentimes they're not necessarily very reassuring to us in our times of difficulty, in our times of grief. If you just say do not fear, everything's going to be okay, it can be a pretty empty word of comfort. We aren't given anything to rely on, look to, or any solid reason, as people try to offer these with very good intentions, they often don't don't help us too much. But as we think about Isaiah 41.10 and what it says and who says it and the fullness of it, that is definitely not the case. We do not have empty commands or empty words of comfort here. There are solid reasons given. So I want us to, to consider as we think about these commands, what do these commands specifically mean? Okay, the word fear, when it says fear not, speaks of someone thinking that they may be in danger. Okay, they're scared. This word fear come with this word fear comes the idea that they are aware of their human weakness. They're they're aware they're human, their inability to do things or or to fend off. And even with this word fear comes a, a trembling. So they're not just a little scared, but they're trembling. They're so scared. This fear being talked about is not a religious fear. Okay? Often in the scriptures, uh, it says to fear God out of submission, out of respect, out of obedience. That's not the way it's being used here. But rather, this, this is the type of fear that we have when we see the potential that we could be hurt or we could face difficulties or, or failure. It's the fear that I experience as I ride a roller coaster. 
as I coast over and I plummet the steepest hill from the, the highest, the steepest hill at full speed. It's the type of fear or the type of fear that I have as I ride on a roller coaster. That's what's being talked about here, a danger or thinking there's a threat to your life. The word dismayed, when it says be not dismayed, as we think about what the original Hebrew word that falls behind this word dismayed, it kind of has two thoughts. It has the thought of, of being afraid, just like fear, but also with it comes the idea of, of looking around for help. So not, not necessarily looking around to see who's out to get you, but looking around in that fear for who can help me. This is why the NAS translation says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. It says, do not anxiously, and it brings in this idea of, of looking about you for help. Who can help me in my, my danger? Who can rescue me? Who can deliver me? And as I mentioned the NAS, I should say, I may revert back to that at times. That's what I memorized this verse in Embark. So if you catch me going back in between different translations, hopefully you're able to follow me um, but I'm using the ESV, but I have it memorized in the, the NAS. But this word dismayed conveys something similar to the word fear, as I said. It speaks of being scared, being afraid, but with it comes the idea of that, that, you're, that help is being sought. Help is being desired. Someone is looking around saying, who can help me? Who can I cling to? Who can I receive assistance in this terror? So the two commands that are given in Isaiah 41.10 are first, fear not, don't be scared, don't be in terror, even though you may, it may seem like you're in danger or there's a threat or a difficulty coming, don't be scared, is what is being said here. And then the second command, be not dismayed, is like it, but it's, it's adding, saying don't be afraid, but also don't be looking around from for help. And, and I think as we... Get a more understanding of what this is saying. Don't look around for help from the wrong sources. There's no need to do so. So those are the two commands that we find here in Isaiah 41.10. And I, I want us to consider something else to help us get an even greater understanding of what is meant by these commands. And that is, why are these commands given? Why is it said in Isaiah 41.10, fear not and be not dismayed? Was we consider, and this is where I want to bring in the context, the verses that are surrounding our, our one verse, this is where I want to bring in these as we consider three circumstances that, that seem to be underlying Isaiah and, and ultimately God, as we're going to see, saying, fear not, be, dis, be not dismayed. Three circumstances that generate this fear. The first is a mighty army wrecking havoc from nation to nation. Isaiah 41, starting at verse 1, says, Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Verse 2, Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. 
So the idea here in verses 1 through 3 especially is that an army is coming from nation or going from nation to nation and having victory. Uh, they're coming into nations or coming into cities and they're defeating these cities. Um, and it says there in verse 5, it says about them being afraid, them trembling. So that's just the first circumstance. That's just one of three things that are going on. The second is that people are angry and upset with who is being talked about here, the Israelites. In Isaiah 41, verses 11 through 12, it says, Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. So with the word incensed in verse 11 comes the idea of, of someone who is angry and furious with you. With the word strive and contend in verse 11, then verse 12 for the word contend, talks about someone fighting, quarreling, disputing with the Israelites. And then we even, in verse 12, the idea of this war, someone physically fighting, it kind of connects these two circumstances uh, together. Um, we see the idea that people are out against the Israelites. People are angry at them. And then the third circumstance that kind of seems to generate these commands is a need for the basics. And Isaiah 41, 17 says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. So the other two circumstances, the idea is people are coming out either physically or, or just coming and, and uh, disputing, having fights with the Israelites. And now here, basic needs like water can't be found. Things that we just take for granted, they can't be found by these people. So these are the three circumstances that seem to kind of underlie Isaiah 41, verse 10. And with all of them, we could say their lives are on the line. This is what is taking place to cause them fear. This is what is being experienced where they're, they're searching for assistance. Who can help them? So application as we consider our lives and we consider these two commands, fear not and be not dismayed, I believe that each of us can relate to the people of Israel that Isaiah is bringing God's word to. Fear, being scared, is the norm for us. Each of us sitting here all have fears, big or small. Maybe some people wouldn't think they're fears or think we shouldn't fear them, but we all can relate right here that we have fears. If it's something like the Israelites were dealing with an army coming to tear their nation, tear their city apart. For us, it might be seeing news headlines, seeing wars taking place, and we're, we're fear-stricken. Or it might just come to just thinking about maybe a threat or a possibility, and, and we're fearful as we think about our lives and our family lives, thinking of criminals that are out there, shootings, a robbery, kidnapping. The Israelites were facing those who were angry with them and fighting with them, and so too you might be dealing with, with people who aren't too happy with you. You may or may not have done anything wrong, but they either think you did or just, just do not like you, and they're, they're coming at you. Maybe not physically, they're coming to destroy your reputation, to tear apart your family. So we think about this. This can cause us great fear. Fear can come for us from not having basic needs. Money might be tight. You might not know where your next meal will come from or maybe how you'll pay a certain bill. Fear can come as you consider the future 
as you consider the need for a job or, or maybe just to keep your children safe or how you'll figure out a difficult situation. Fear can come as you consider the test you'll be taking, as you await the grade for an essay that you wrote, as you await the results of a biopsy. I believe many of us, and, and each of us in this room, if we're real with ourselves, each of us have many, many things that we're fear, fearful of. All of us, I think, can relate that we're often riddled with fear and worry. Not just about drastic things, but the day-to-day, -day, the hour-by-hour -hour circumstances that we face, we meet them with fear. So we see fear as a normal part of our lives. It, it might almost seem like it's inevitable, okay? There's just no getting rid of fear. But we need to remember the commands. We need to remember what we're being told to do, and it says, fear not. Be not dismayed. And, and we might say, how is that possible? How can that be said? Who can say such a thing with such confidence? We find out as we consider the two reasons. The two reasons that these are not empty commands. It's not being said, do not fear with no basis. But we find two commands that there is a basis. There is a reason. As Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. So we get the reasons, and I also, as I, I already said it to us, I want to address who is saying this. Who is speaking? It might seem obvious, but it, it's huge as we consider these commands, and that is God. God is the one who are, is giving these commands. He's the one that's giving these reasons. This isn't just a human saying this. This is God. God is the one who's commanded, fear not. God is the one who's commanded, do not be dismayed. And that in and of itself, if we had nothing else, is a game changer. This is God and not just any ordinary person or a human saying this, but this is God who is speaking and giving these commands to the people of Israel. God is the one right now to us. As we consider this verse, it doesn't just apply to the Israelites, but it applies to us. He's giving us these commands. We need to remember that it's God behind these. And before we consider these, these two reasons in depth, I want to have us consider this God, our God, who's being talked about here. Many of us have a saving relationship with God. If I asked you to name attributes of God, many of you could do so. You could explain to me who God is. But even in our saving relationship with God, it's easy to sit here and lose sight of the majesty and the greatness of God. It's easy to, to lose our awe of God. So I want to bring in some more context, and I want us to look at Isaiah 40, and, and I don't want to take us too, too much down a rabbit trail, so I want to just mention quickly several verses that stand behind Isaiah 41.10 and, and lead up to it that I think gives us an even greater uh, idea of who is saying this, it's God saying this, and who is he I think it brings us even more comfort. Isaiah 40, verse 8, and I'll just run through these, speaks of God's word and how they're never going away and can never be changed. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah 40, verse 12, again, verses leading up to our verse, asks a set of questions with no answer, but it's begging the answer of God. It says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, and closed with the dust of the earth in a measure, 
and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in balance. Showing God is over the greatest of, of earthly things, mountains and hills. Isaiah 40 verses 13 through 14 shows us God's knowledge and wisdom. It says, who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Isaiah 40, verses 22 through 23, they give us a picture, a greater picture of the greatness of God. They say, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and, in, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. That's us, grasshoppers in the eyes of God. Continues on and says, Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to nothing and who and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? And then lastly, Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That is our God. That is the one who's giving these commands. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Or our translation says, be not dismayed. And as we consider these reasons in specific, just keep this, these verses, keep this picture of the greatness and the majesty of God in your mind as I think it really brings a great context to these reasons. God tells us, I am with you. Fear not. Because I am with you. That's the first reason. When we are scared, we may feel alone. That might just be one reason we are fearful. Because we're physically alone. We have no human with us. Maybe our spouse has died. Or maybe you're at college without any, any of your family. And God says there is no need to fear because I am by your side. You're not alone. You're not facing this by yourself. Though none of your loved ones can be with you, or you just lost your spouse or a, or a loved one or people, no people around, God is. This God who we have seen in Isaiah 40, who's over the earth, the heavens and the mountains, he's created all things, he has no end. This God who knows all there is, is the God who's with us. He's better than anyone else that we could have by our side. This is why it's said, fear not. It's not an empty command, but it's said because God is there. God is with you. He's present though no one else is, and even though you cannot see him, he is there. That's the first reason he gives. The second reason God gives that they have no need to fear and look around them for help is because he says, I am your God. Be not dismayed for Second reason, I am your God. He's not just this great God without any relation to people. He's not some other nation's God, but he says, I am your God, showing a personal relationship. And again, I want to bring in some context leading up to our verse. Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 9, shows this relationship. It says, but you, Israel... My servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth 
and called from its furthest, farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you, and not cast you off. These verses say that they have been chosen by God. They are his servant. God has not cast them off. Even though they may feel like they've been cast off because of the circumstances that, that are going on, armies are coming, people are against them, they don't have water, they might feel like God is not there, he's cast them off, saying, I haven't cast you off. I'm there. I'm your God. Even though they might feel alone, they might feel disconnected from God, he's saying here in Isaiah 41, verse 10, I am your God. I'm still your God, even though these things are going on. Be one thing for them to be aware of this great God who's far away and having no relationship with them. But this great God that we saw in Isaiah verse 40 is their God. They can have a relationship with God and they do have a relationship with him. So application. We consider these two reasons. I'd ask you just think about these, these questions in your mind and answer them for yourself. How often do you lose sight of the greatness and magnificence of God. How often do you lose sight of the greatness and magnificence of God? How often do you lose sight of the fact that God is with you? You may not, you might not be able to physically see him, but he says in his word, he's with his people. He's by our side. Do you believe this? Do you remember this? Even though you cannot visibly see it. And then I'd ask you even, how often do you forget about your relationship with God? As we see in this, this passage, I believe as we think about application, when we lose sight of God and forget about Him, it's so easy to fall into fear. Okay, when we lose sight of this God, our God, the fact that He's with you, but also what He's done, who He is, it's so easy to fall into fear. It's so easy to begin to worry about things. Just thinking it's just us, just us taking care of it. It's easy to look at something else other than God. And that's why this verse, Isaiah 41.10, is so powerful. Though it's simple, it's just one verse, it's just a few words, it points us to the reason we have no need to fear, we have no need to be dismayed, and the only reason given is because of our God. God points us to himself. So both of these reasons point to God. He doesn't say what you're going through is not hard or difficult. He doesn't say that you're just imagining things. Everything's going to be okay. But rather, God points us to himself, saying, look at me. Remember me. I'm with you. I'm your God. God says, fear not for I am with you. God says, be not dismayed, for I am your God. So the next time you're tempted to fear, bring to mind this verse. Okay? When you start to worry about a situation, when you become scared, remember what this verse says and who it points you to. Remember that your God is the God who is the creator and the one who is far greater than mountains, hills, and oceans. Remember that your God is forever. He's never going away. Remember that your God knows all things. Remember that God's word stands firm. What he says will happen will surely happen. And remember that your God has chosen you. He's called you. He is your God if you have a saving relationship with him. 
And as, if we stop there, or if we pause here, that's pretty comforting. I think if, we, if the verse ended here, that'd be pretty good. It's comforting. It should bring us peace to be pointed to our God, realizing he's over all things. It definitely helps us with our fears, our worries, but there's more. So we've seen the two commands. We've seen the two reasons. And Isaiah 41.10 then gives us three promises. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And then here's the three promises. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So, as I said, it almost seems like it's good enough if we stopped before these promises. But God goes a step further here in Isaiah, as Isaiah brings God's word forth. And he, God goes a step further to bring comfort to his people, to respond to their fears by showing that he's actively at work on their behalf. That's what we see in these three promises. He's actively at work on their behalf. So the three promises are, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you, and then third, I will uphold you, or I will help you, and then the third is, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So I want to start by considering what do each of these mean? And we'll start with, I should say, I will strengthen you. This word strengthen is a word that speaks of making something firm or strong. This word comes with a picture. So there's a, uh, there's a picture behind this word, and it's a picture of weak knees being supported or made firm so that they can stand upright. So weak or feeble knees being made firm so that they can stand. Job 4.4 says, Your words have upheld him who is stumbling. And then it says, this is where we get our, the same word, and you have made firm. Same word as this, strengthen. You have made firm the feeble knees. So this word strengthen, or in Job, it's a phrase made firm. Same Hebrew word. The idea is that weak or tired or worn out legs are given the strength so that they can stand up. So God's promise is that when you feel like collapsing under the pressure, when you feel your inadequacy and your weakness, when, you, when your fears and doubts and anxieties are consuming you, God will make you firm. He will cause you to be able to endure and face them. God's promise here when he says, I will strengthen you, his promise is that he will give them what they need to be able to experience what is bringing them this fear or this worry. The second promise is, I will help you. This word help speaks of assistance. And as I said with the word strengthen, came the picture of, of strengthening weak or feeble knees. Here there's also there's a picture behind it, and it's a, a picture of allies in war. So a nation and another nation coming alongside them, helping them to fight, giving them resources, assisting them. And that's the idea that is brought in with this word, help. That is what God is promising, to assist, to come alongside, us, as we face things that would cause us to fear, things that would freak us out in life, God is saying, I'm your ally. I will help you and assist you as you face these things. And then the third promise is, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This word uphold speaks of taking hold and grasping something. 
And the rest of the promise says, uphold you with my righteous right hand. So the picture here is us being able, unable to stand on our own and God grabbing our arm and picking us up or, or just holding us up so we can stand or him coming under our shoulder so that we can stand up alongside him. That is what God promises to do. When we feel the full weight of something on us and we, we know we cannot continue on, we're distra- distressed, we're weighted down with worry, we can't take another step, we can't get up and walk and face it, God takes us by the arm and he holds us up. And we need to remember the context as we consider these three promises. Remember who this is that is prom- promising us these things. We know he will keep these promises. I called them promises as God is saying that he will do them. And we already saw in Isaiah 40 verse 8, it said the word of our God stands forever. God gives three promises here and we've already been told in Isaiah 40 verse 8, these things are going to happen. They're not going to, they can't be changed. They can't be taken away. When God says something, he's going to do it. And we also see from Isaiah 40, that he's fully capable of these promises. As his greatness was proclaimed in Isaiah verse 40, he is the God who's created the sky and the mountains and the hills. He knows the way to the mountains. And yet, in Isaiah Isaiah 40, one of the verses that I hadn't shared that I want to bring in at this point, it balances his greatness with his care and even what we see in our verse, his promises for us. In verse 11, Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, In the midst of all this greatness, his majesty, his power, it says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This great God treats us like a shepherd does his sheep, protecting, caring, leading, guiding. And that is what we find in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Three promises. Three promises that show his care, his support, his help for us. These are the three things that God says he will do for those in fear, those looking about about them for some type of rescue or some type of support in their terror. And as we consider these three promises, I want us to consider something uh, that I could have brought up Already, I could have brought it up at different points of this message that again brings in some of the context, and it's a contrast. It's a contrast that we have between Isaiah 41, verse 10, and another passage or some of the context, and I'll introduce it with the question, what is the alternative? If we don't look to God, what do we look to? Or what could we look to? What's the alternative? And interestingly enough, in our passage in both Isaiah 40, 41, and in the following chapters, there's a contrast that's going on. God is showing a contrast between relying on him in their fears and relying on something, something else. And I'll just bring in one of these passages, and it's the one that comes just a few verses before ours that shows you don't look to God. Who else or what else are you looking to? Isaiah 41, verses 5 through 7. Verse 5 shows this fear. We actually already looked at this, this verse. It says, The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. And then in the next two verses, we see where they get some of their assistance. 
They look for assistance from others. In verse 6, it says, everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. And then in verse 7, we find that they get assistance from, or they look for assistance from idols. It says in verse 7, the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good, and they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. They're talking about an idol here, a goldsmith, someone who smooths with a hammer, working on an idol. When it comes at the very end, it says they strengthen it. They're talking about an idol. They're talking about a metal uh, or a wooden statue that the people are rallying together to make an idol and, and then, as it says at the end, to make it firm. This is what they're looking to in their fears and their troubles. They're looking to an idol. Hopefully you see the contrast. Hopefully you see the irony that the people had looked to and relied upon in their fear, not God, but an idol, a wooden metal statue, something that is not living, but also something that needs to be made. Okay? God created all things. This thing needed to be made. And then further at the end there, it says, they strengthen, strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. It needs to be strengthened. It needs to be made firm. And in Isaiah 41.10, we see God is the one who makes us strong. God makes us firm. So they were looking to the wrong thing. Their alternative for God was pathetic. It was completely useless. And yet, so often, that is the case with us. We look to ourselves, or we look to people, or we look to man-made objects to relieve our fears, to help us in our worries. We depend on things that cannot ultimately help us. Meanwhile, we have God with us. We have God on our side. We have God who has made all things. He's in control of all things. Why wouldn't these people look to him? And I'd ask us tonight, why, we, why wouldn't we look to God? So application. So as we consider these three promises, we see that we aren't only left to take comfort in the fact that God is with us, we have a relationship with him, but we see he is actively at work in us as we fear, as we worry, as we grow anxious, as we go through these difficult times, God is actively at work. And then secondly, we should be challenged from Isaiah 40, verse 10, in the context to look to him. We should run to him and depend on him over ourselves or someone else or an expert or something man-made. Isaiah 41, verse 10, should drive us to pray as we experience fears. Isaiah 41, verse 10, should drive us to rely upon our God. Isaiah 41, verse 10, should drive us to turn from our idols and to turn to God. My question tonight is, will you do so? Will you do so? As you sit here considering what fears, or I'd like you as we, as we close, to just sit here and consider what fears you're experiencing. As I said, we all fear this week. Uh, my fears were brought more so to my attention since I was studying this passage, and there were some things that might not expect to fear, or it's not just some drastic thing like an army coming for our nation, but something that I was scared about, worrying about. So I want you to sit here and I want you to consider what fears are you, ex are you experiencing? 
is you go into this week and experience something that causes you to worry. You grow anxious about something coming up. I challenge you to bring Isaiah 41 verse 10 to mind. It's easy to memorize. It's, it's a pretty simple verse to, to, to kind of get in your mind. Or as you experience these things that cause you to worry, cause you to fear, just look it up. Just one verse. Think about it. Apply it to your situation. Take comfort from it. Pray to God. Look to Him and depend on Him from it. And I'd call you this week and even now as you think about your fears, consider the comfort we find in these words. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this verse. And Lord, this verse has meant a lot to me over over the years. It's been a verse that uh, I've considered and and known about for a while now. And and Lord, I I thank you for uh, just the added understanding that you've given us this evening as we've thought about the verses around it and and the context and, and looked real deeply into some of these words. Lord, I pray that we would walk away and as we start to get scared about things, as we worry about things, as we grow anxious even now or this week, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to to bring this verse to mind, to consider that we have a God who is over all things, who's created all things, a God who promises strengthen us, that you'll help us, that you'll uphold us with your righteous right hand. And Lord, I pray that we would look to you as we're tempted to look to ourselves or other people or man-made objects uh, for security or to relieve us of our fears or to put our trust in. Lord, I pray that we would put our trust and our dependence on you. Lord, we just thank you for the words of comfort, just the words of reassurance that we find here and how you point us to yourself. And Lord, just bring our minds to you, who you are. And I pray that you would comfort us from this text this evening. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this evening and you are dismissed.